The recording of this podcast took place on the evening of the 20th of April at approximately 6pm. Following this conversation and the recording was all done, it was then announced that both Chelsea and Manchester City would be withdrawing from the European Super League. We don't know exactly where the Super League will um, end up by the end of tonight, but the conversation took place before we knew that any teams had withdrew. So bear that in mind when listening. Hope it's still interesting. See you soon. Enjoy the pod. Lost out to Young, the chance here for Sidwell already, and what a start! Just over 30 seconds gone, and the quickest goal in the Premier League this season for Steve Sidwell! This is the Steve Sidwell FC Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Steve Sidwell FC podcast. I'm, I, I think a lot has changed, but we are back by necessity, not popular demand, but we, we could just sense that the world wanted our thoughts on the European Super League. So I'm joined by the two familiar voices of David Lasky. Good afternoon, Joe. And Adam Mitchell Baker. Hello there. I would I would challenge whether we're not backed by popular demand. I've had many a request. What, See, I was going to ask. I, I don't think I've. I can't think of a single demand I've had to return. I'm with Adam, so it's you. You are well. We've waited a year to find out who was carrying this show. Yeah, and it's I you. I've had five people ask me if we're doing a pod soon. Wow! In wow. the last two weeks, you are marketing director for this podcast for the right reason, then, aren't you? <laughs> well, shout out to those five. You're getting what you wanted. Um, it, it's just lucky that your request came in at the exact same time that football decided to eat yeah. itself alive. <laughs> but yeah, well, we, you know, I've answered the call. Um, so I'm, I'm pleased. There's no name that actor this week, which is a shame, but there's plenty of, what do they say on the um, Fletch Sav and, uh, no, not Fletch and Sav, uh, ping pong guy, that meaty topics <laughs> they like to get into. We certainly do have meaty topics to discuss today we do i always know that something's big in the football world when my brother asks me what the hell is going on and last night i received a text that went what what is this super league <laughs> thing um and i ended up sending him basically uh, a seven minute voice note because i got on a bit of a roll and i thought you know what we need to I, I need a i need to be more concise in that and b i need to talk to someone about it so i'm really glad that we're doing this yeah, it's been one of those things, isn't it, where it's been the leading article on all news bulletins for the last, like, two days by the time we record this, which I don't remember that ever happening with football, to be honest with you. Like, even during the World Cup, it might be for a day or so, but for, like, a sustained period of... It's either been a really boring week in the news or it's just been, it, you know, the world is up in, up in arms, aren't they? But... It's cool. It's caused like almost universal dislike, hatred, anger, um, disdain, whatever whatever word you want to use for that sort of emotion. Um, it's sort of united 
the, na- yeah. the, the nation, but you know, people like to say we're a divided nation and things like that, but that we are united in this. Touch our football and we, we unite overnight. That's where Brexit went wrong, isn't it? If they just said remain and we'll give you the British Super League, it would have just been, you know, 85 15 <laughs> remain, I reckon. Yeah. There we go. Very good. Joe, well, do you want to oh, go, go on? I was going to say, Joe, do you want to kind of explain what it is? Seeing there as you, you go. are great, great minds, great the, minds. That's exactly the go-to person, apparently, for for explaining <laughs> this. I, I'm glad you've you've thrown me under that. Um, I think. Should we time you? Yeah, <laughs> it's like that. That was a show, wasn't it? Just a minute, but that was without ums and ahs. I don't think I'll, I might clumsily explain this, but if you're not familiar, um, to the best of my li- limited knowledge. Um, Six English clubs have joined forces with six other uh, European clubs, three in Spain and three in Italy, to form a Super League. Uh, And those 12 will, uh, you'll have heard the phrase, closed group. They have joined to basically form a league where uh, they are the common participants of this league every single year. There will be some invitees and some other ways of participating, maybe taking it up to a 20-team league. Um, the the mechanics around that are yet to be fully um, displayed or, or or agreed, I believe. But contracts have been signed amongst those twelve clubs uh, that they cannot be relegated, um, which means that the whole idea around sport and competition no longer matters. That's caused a bit of the the uproar, um, but it also means that it's essentially a, a two fingers up to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to the UEFA Champions League. So in world football, you have FIFA, who are the governing body, and UEFA, who look after the, the who basically manage European football. Uh, and their flagship tournament is the UEFA Champions League. And um, this is, is basically a rival to that. Um, we will get into the, the reasons why, no doubt, but um, and why it's causing fraud. But that is what has happened. Let me know if I've missed anything, gents. I think that's a very good... And also, I'd just like to commend you. I feel like you didn't, in a good way. That was quite an objective oversight of the um, of the plans. I reckon. Thank so you. That, that's helpful for for laying groundwork for controversial opinions, no doubt, later on. <laughs> One tries. The the emotion shall be forthcoming. So who so who are the twelve clubs? Uh, the traditional English, well, traditional English big six. We've got Tottenham Hotspur in there. Um, I'm going to begin with them just to maybe annoy you. Spurs, <laughs> Arsenal, uh, Manchester United, Manchester City, um, Chelsea and Liverpool. And then you've got three Spanish clubs of Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid and Barcelona and three Italian clubs of Juventus, Inter Milan and AC Milan. As the um, as a supporter of Liverpool, Adam, <laughs> how do you how do you feel about it? As a specific supporter of Liverpool, um, I think it is frustrating to see the club go back to something that. So I remember they. I remember this being talked about 13, 14 years ago, when it, we had Gillett and Hicks as our owners, who are these Americans that essentially just saw Liverpool as a means to make money, um, run the club really badly, culminated in this like horrific recruitment policy, which led to us having like. Paul Koncheski at left back and Yusuf Paulson and Milan Jovanovic in midfield and Roy Hodgson's manager, God bless his soul. Um, they left, I think it was about, oh, don't quote me, 2013, 24th? I can't remember when they left. Maybe it's even earlier than that, you know, maybe it's earlier than that. Anyway, so FSG came in, who's Fenway Sports Group, who 
basically the guys from the um you remember Moneyball at the end of the film they try and John Henry's in Moneyball like played by an actor trying to sign Billy Bean Brad Pitt from the Oakland Athletics to come and coach at Boston Red Sox which is their major league baseball team all driven on like statistics getting the best out of players like love the Moneyball model and they brought that to Liverpool the last 10 years they've basically turned the club around they've you know, given Klopp loads of times. They've been really popular with the fans. They've done really well. Um, and then <laughs> they've just jumped straight in with this Super League thing again. And you just think, ah, oh, I sort of felt like you were the guys that were, you were here for my club. Do you know what I mean? You were willing to invest in it. You were taking us in the right direction. The last 10 years, it's all been good noises. You've engaged well with the city and the, and the stand. And now you basically want to turn football, soccer into American football, NFL style. Um, and that's the main feeling that I feel about it from a Liverpool perspective. Um, and I've, I've got more comments about Liverpool in terms of the reactions of like Klopp and Hendo. That's interesting. But primarily as a fan, that's where my frustrations lie and that these guys are sort of turning out to be just as useless as everyone else. You know what I mean? Um, mm. But yeah, that's me. Um, I think what's interesting as well, just to add to that, is Liverpool and United have been held as like leading this. I don't know if that's across the whole thing or if that's just within England, but, um, you know, it always find it funny. Like United is the club in the world, which I probably detest the most, <laughs> for, uh, you know, highly understandable reasons. Um, and then, the, then you're just like, oh, are we, are we the baddies? Do you know what I mean? Like, are we as bad as they're all along? But um, that's also frustrating. But yeah, what about as an, so, you know, and also just to say, I also do understand why, there are certain teams in this list that would see themselves as being part of the European elite. So with that context in mind, as an Arsenal fan, <laughs> what's your thoughts on, on this? I don't like it, but I do understand it. Yeah. I can see as an owner of a club that, frankly, you know, Stan Kroenke, he is only interested in making that the most valuable asset he can. Um I think from a financial perspective, it makes sense. Guaranteed income, big lump sums of money. I don't like the idea, but if he's not an Arsenal fan, he doesn't really care about going to the games. He's not interested in the... He's purely seeing it as an asset for which he can make, from which he can make money. Yeah. Um, I find the... And I, I genuinely would be interested to know what you think from a Villa perspective, Joe, but... I find, I think Arsenal, if offered the chance to join this, I will struggle to see many clubs that would refuse to do it with that sort of leadership at the helm. I can't, I can't see why they wouldn't jump on the train before it, before it left. And frankly, for Arsenal, I don't think if it was an idea in a few years' time, we would be invited to participate. Because we are not, I mean, we're 10th place, 9th place in the league. If you're given that chance now and you are motivated the same way, that, you know, KSE, Stan Kroenke is, why why, like, why wouldn't you join and, yeah. and try and make as much money as you can? I don't like it. I, there's loads of, you know, I think it kind of ruins, um, you know, I've, I've, dreamt that sounds a bit dramatic but I, I i've wanted since a young as a young lad to see arsenal win in champions league with this that's not going to happen mm -hmm. um 
you know, I think it ruins the the Barclays um, Premier League. Um, but I, I I guess I'm not that shocked by it. I already knew that yeah. the owners just were just interested in money. I feel like this is another point in the timeline of of that becoming even more stark and obvious. But you know that that has <clears throat> continued a trend that we've seen for the past you know ten years or mm. you, know, for, you know it's not a new thing that our owners just want to bleed the club's drive as much money as they can yeah, yeah it's, it's no surprise to me that um the board is that guy that was real madrid president agnelli who's juventus chairman who's been kicking off at ua for trying to reform champions league for years and then it's glazer john henry from liverpool and Cronky from arsenal and you think hmm yeah money 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 but <laughs> Yeah, we've um, we've got an awful lot at play, don't we? So, albeit it's been coming in terms of um, it's been on the horizon, money taking over the game. You'll you'll have seen it written. It's very rich that Sky are getting on their high horse, given that they have basically <laughs> monopolised the content market. Um, and of course, it's the opportunism of it from six owners in this country who have decided to take hundreds of well hundreds of combined years of, of institutional footballing history taken up from working class roots um to exploit it for their own end and and i think that it's it's that debate now no one no one you won't hear many football fans discuss it in these terms but it is that debate between freedman like shareholder um priority versus stakeholder priority and your stakeholder is your fan with the local accent supporting their local team on the terraces, turning up wind, uh, wind, rain or shine, win, lose or draw, and they adore the club. Now, coronavirus has taught us that A, um, some clubs cannot survive without fans, but B, the product can survive without fans. And I think it's that that has been the impetus for this global league. And it, although, although it's a European Super League, them, it's going to be shown around the world. It's going to be on pay-per-view. The fans are an interesting byproduct. They are something to make um, real noise that can be artificially generated. And if you're watching in China, Russia, the Middle East, uh, Asia, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether the person screaming or shouting is there for hospitality purposes, eating some salmon at halftime and drinking some champagne or if they are ranting and swearing because they have put their life savings into the ticket that they're holding. That means absolutely nothing to these people. It's about the money at the end of it. And it's that that makes it so sickening. And you'll have heard Gary Neville talk about it in, in those terms using very, very strong language. But it's that that has got the heckles up of the, the British people and media over the last 48 hours. Um, and I think that, Dave, you made a good point. How many clubs would have said no I think, to be fair, quite a few, quite a few, I think, would have done. Do you, th- do you honestly think that? Do you think Villa, if they'd have been offered a chance, would have said no? So I, I personally do not. And I, I understand that it's, it's diff- I'll try and lay out now why I think that. So so Villa's two owners, um, Sephiris and Edens, their CEO, Christian Perslow, for, uh, formerly of Liverpool. But the two owners... Gillette and Hicks, Liverpool. There you go. Exactly. So the seat, but the, so the CEO, I believe, came out and said that it was a grotesque idea, and I think that that he says it now. He wasn't. Offered I agree. A no, I agree, and I think that he might be grandstanding a little bit. 
the two owners, however, um, one of which, uh, Coptic Christian, very philanthropic, very generous individual, um, and, and they bought the club when it was, wasn't doing very, very well, and they have spent an awful lot of money on it. Now, that I agree with you that it, it's, this is very much the easy way out. So what owner wouldn't um, add a significant amount of value onto their club for very minimal effort or risk? That is absolutely what the European Super League is giving them. Arsenal don't need to any longer invest in their players or their team or do anything on the pitch when they are guaranteed this income for free. That is absolutely genius. And why would you refuse? Um, I just think that some clubs are maybe a little bit more fan focused and some clubs have refused. If we look at, if you believe what you hear around the two German clubs, uh, fan dominated, fan majority fan owned, actually. Um, of course, th this is pure speculation and the majority of this entire debate is conjecture. But the things that really matter are, are the people that drive the game being honoured and listened to and the, the reason that it's gained such uh, poor, <laughs> poor response is because the answer is no. So would you say the fans are the people that drive the game? I think in this, in this country, uh, what, what do you mean by drive the game? Well, that's what you said. You said they're sure. not listening to people who drive the game. Oh, I see. Then, yeah. yeah. So when I say that, I mean, and I think it does mean something different for, for different people. I don't mean like they're the one. So you can, you can, so in many forms of life, you can vote with your feet, can't you? Um, and, and with Sky, you've, people have bought the packages and they have in many respects been contributors to the, the way that the game has gone by buying their Sky subscriptions um, if everybody boycotted it, for example, 20 years ago, we wouldn't be where we are today. But I think when it comes to lower leagues, they they do drive the game and they drive the grassroots. And as Dave said, it, it's people who grew up wanting to what wanting to win the Champions League, who wanted to play in the Champions League. And it's why. And now when FIFA are turning around and UEFA are turning around saying you're going to be banned from the World Cup, you're going to be banned mm -hmm. from the Euros. Mm -hmm. It's like that all stems from those those dreams. And are your patriotic players who want to play in those competitions going to stand for it if they're banned from playing at that level? So when I say so, fans driving the game, it's a bit like it's supply side economics. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It takes a long time to see the effects of things like this, but the fact that this has been so immediate should be a bit of a red flag, I, I would imagine. Mm. Yeah, I think the thing that's interesting about it. Like with the with the whole like fan thing, and like you said, uh, you know, was part of the impetus for this is the fact that football kept going without fans essentially throughout COVID. Um, so much of it, I think, is like particularly. So this, you know, if you look at the clubs that have done this, they're all like in the last few few years. Particularly think about the Spanish clubs and like Arsenal reported like horrific financial statements and it's been the same with like chelsea and they've so, so many of these clubs have like had to spend an absolute shed load of money like in order to get where they are and retain their position um so i think it's it's basically driven by financial insecurity and covid yeah, and then i think they've basically perez was saying something about young people aren't interested in football it's all like <laughs> declining interest of young people in football and i think i get I, if you were talking about cricket and like rugby where Essentially, those two sports in the UK didn't capitalise upon World Cup 2003, Ashes 2005, and the governing bodies have been, you know, trying to catch their feet ever since then to try and drum up young interest. I, I would understand you more, but I just don't think that's 
you know, that's not the last twenty years in my of my life. I've seen young people get more interested in sport, yeah, in football in particular. Sorry, um, so just think that's just that's just that's you know if that helps Florentino Perez sleep well tonight in his yeah. diamond encrusted mattress, sure thing. So. <laughs> I but, think it's um, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, 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 no. I was just picking up that. One I think they're on. they're sort of positioning it in terms of what they call the the legacy fans and they, they they use that phrase and i'm doing the quote marks but obviously you can't. i know it's just a dreadful phrase isn't it that the, so they mean you know basically the fans that live near the stadium and want to go to the games and i i, I suppose they think we have a product that we can market to people that live the other side of the world that live and we can then own and sell those our own products our own images our own um you know our own games to those people we don't need to worry about the you know 50,000 people that can travel to the this specific stadium to to watch this um to watch this game they are you know tiny compared to this huge market that li- that lives elsewhere um i mean you know, i obviously do not agree with that approach but from a i guess from if you looked at it from a, any other product like um i don't know an ice cream van and they thought like, i can serve fifty thousand people here or one and a half yeah. million people across the world but why does it matter because those those are still going to be the same supporters of the same clubs involved in football matches why does it matter that the opposition is better? Well, I guess on paper better. I, I think I think they believe that young people don't want to watch Arsenal play Burnley. And is that Burnley's fault, or is that the fact that Kronke hasn't invested in his squad? Or no, Pep? it's not. It's about the the opposition, not about right. Arsenal. So they'd who who would they rather Arsenal played? Real Madrid. Every week, and that's where the every, argument comes in, isn't it? Not every well, not every week, or, but but they would they rather be with bigger teams, and that and the Champions League means that that people weren't getting what they wanted often enough. Is that the logic behind it? I'm speculating, but I assume so. Um, I know that you know for uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, they've got huge amounts of debt, between huge. Them, yeah. I mean. I know you mentioned Arsenal. I mean, Spurs have huge yeah, yeah. in dire, you know, terrible financial situation. So, do you not feel, as an Arsenal fan, quite annoyed actually because that Spurs are getting out of this? Because when you bought a new stadium, you had to be very financially prudent, and you actually lost your glory years or came out of your glory years upon getting the Emirates. And Spurs are now pretty much uh, for yeah. free <laughs> getting, getting out. Well, I, get, I get that, but we did do that in the middle of a, you know. And the financial crisis came. You also you also uh, kept Wenger in job everyone. for five years too long, but you know, why it's not just so... that you got a stadium. But why? How how is how are Spurs so lucky to coincide the, the, their timing with this? Why are they not having to suffer and be economically prudent as well? Why are Real Madrid, who have given <laughs> fat wages despite having the most marketable club on earth, yet drive up a nine hundred million euro debt? Uh, yet they can't. You know, they they're... would say the reason is because mm. their league's too small for them, mm-hmm. or they're just because really, no one, really no bad. fans want to watch Real Madrid play Getafe. 
but they would want to watch Real Madrid play Juventus. Real Madrid play Man City. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting as well, like because the Champions League has become the last sort of basically since it became a Champions League in and of itself was that mid nineties for its European Cup. It's yeah. you know it's got the Champions League anthem and it's got. I think you feel like it has like 15 million sponsors, like like Gazprom, which is you know Russian state-sponsored gas company, all this sort of <laughs> you know, etc. etc. Et um, the change that's been happened since Champions League and Premier League came in is that people think a lot more about the big clubs. People think a lot more about yeah big big intercontinental ties. Um, I obviously was not alive when it was a European Cup. But I get the impression from like speaking to my dad and other people that were football fans in like 60s, 70s, 80s, was that Europe winning a European competition, yes, of course, was a massive achievement, but it was not as big of a deal as it would be seen now. Like you look at Pep with City, like if he never wins the Champions League, he will be a fail he will be seen not wholly as a failure, of course, but he will be seen as having failed to accompany company the one thing that they brought him in that Mancini couldn't do, that Pellegrini couldn't do to yeah. win the Champions League, which he'd done previously at obviously Barca and Bayern. Yeah. So that's shifted and that's I think that's increased more and more and more the last sort of ten, fifteen years in England. Once I think, you know, when Liverpool won it, United won it, Chelsea won it, you think, oh England could do it again, you know, we could do it again. So now it's got more of an interest in our country because of that as well. Mm. Um and I think that this is my problem with it. Uh, my primary problem is that these are owners that have extended beyond themselves, managed their clubs poorly within the parameters that currently existed. And are now attempting to basically dismantle the status quo in order to rectify their horrific financial situation. Or are they capitalising upon a status quo no. that is weighted no, in their favour? No. Yeah, I think I think they are. No, I don't. I well, so I think that that's that's it's very very bold of them to assume that they're competent enough to make this work, given that they've oh. really shut the bed on the on the previous engagement. So I think that I think I read earlier about the. the the fact that TV is what's going to fund this, you know, JP Morgan are interesting, but 3.5 billion euros divided by 15 isn't actually um, a significant sum of money compared to the, what the Champions League offers anyway. It's it's a lot, but maybe three times more. So I think all in all, TV is going to have to bridge that gap like it does now. Now, who's left? Amazon have said they're not going to take part in this. BT aren't, Sky aren't, um, BBC aren't, ITV aren't. So globally, B in sports aren't because they're whoever owns them is in cahoots with the UEFA. I read that, so that's the the Middle Eastern market taken care of. Who's left? Disney, uh, Russian states, TV, yeah. China states, TV, a streaming service. Yeah. Very well, very well might do. I just fail to see how they're going to get away with it in yeah. the fact that you're now streaming to the people who they're not the football market. Football's not their main sport. Like they're going to have to do continent-wide cultural, like cultural change, that in order to get the demand for this, and it's not going to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. uh, and what has happened overnight is I don't know. Opposition. They've got huge amounts of support. These clubs. Again, I mean, t time will time will tell, won't it? I just think it's. I, I think it's. If someone asks me, you know, what what do I hate the most about it? It's it's that. It's that it's the opportunism. Yeah, um, I think so. I, I'd point out I don't think it will happen because I think it's um, even if you look at like the Super League's website, it's like essentially I think a lot of this is a 
I've got a bigger knob than you've got, like posturing versus UEFA. And that's one thing that's worth saying in all this is that UEFA, if I was one of these big clubs and I've been basically feeling unfairly treated by UEFA as well as the Premier League, as well as the FA for 30 years, despite, in my opinion, being the sole reason, you know, that football has grown, not sole reason, but, you know, what, you know, yeah, like like Dave's point about watching Burnley is a good good one, you know. <laughs> um, I'd I'd feel like, well, I'm just gonna, you know what? Screw the world. Let's just like put the cat right amongst the pigeon, see what happens. I yeah. think it's probably kicked off more than they thought it would have done. Yeah, I, I think really the fact get... that you've got all these like multilateral calls between like Macron, Merkel, and Boris Johnson in the middle of a global pandemic <laughs> and like vaccine nationalism that they're then <laughs> talking about telling their football clubs to shut up. It's just that's crackers, isn't it? That's so, yeah. you know, bit enough more they can chew in some sense, I think. But um, I hope it's that. Uh, uh, genuinely, like maybe I'm overconfident, but I'm like, I, I cannot see a world in which it it, it happens. Um, just there's it's too many barriers to overcome. You know, they're basically, it's no coincidence that last week UEFA set out their plan to rebuild the Champions League and it didn't go down well, the big clubs. Four days later, they announced this thing. That that feels to me like, you know, they've now got a bigger negotiating chip versus UEFA yeah. when it comes to doing Champions League reform, and we'll end up with this weird reform Champions League. This is, in some senses, the Champions League had this weird thing before. The reform they were proposing was expanding it and having like leagues that you played in, yeah, like group, big league, yeah. Mm. And then That's essentially fine. highlight the big clubs more, wouldn't you, later on? Yeah, they've signed off on it, I think, to begin from twenty twenty four. But yeah, last Wednesday, I think it was like last week. Yeah, good timing. All subject to change, of course, once. I, so would it be fair to say then, because I, I read that um, UEFA are having a meeting on Friday, basically to expel oh. Man City, Chelsea. And... So it, just, just quickly, so the announcement was the, the evening before the meeting where they were going to Im- approve the plans to expand the, the Champions <laughs> League and change it. <laughs> So there we go. <laughs> oh, it's so awful and corrupt. But so let's say they do expel Real Madrid, Chelsea, and um, Man City from the Champions League. Um, a good, re- you know, really good of PSG to play the long game to get the title that they wanted. Um, <laughs> watch them accept the trophy and then join the Super League the day after. That's that's what I'm waiting for. Um, but I think I think more, would it be fair to say if that does happen? that UEFA have had their conversations with the 12 behind closed doors this week. The big 12 have gone, no, 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 this isn't a pissing contest. We weren't doing this to seek reform. We are doing this. If UEFA take that strong action, can we assume that that's what's what's occurred behind closed doors? I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, there have been, it's not just been idle threats so far. They have left, what is the European club association yeah yeah i know arsenal uh, vinai the ceo he was elected on march the 2021 and now is now left as a um what you uh, trustee like a, like a member. senior member i don't yeah, know what you director, call it director maybe um and then they've just left that so i i, I won yeah it could be what do you call non-idle threats, but hollow, almost like hollow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was, what was the thing before the ECA thing? There was a G16 or something, wasn't there, of like elite clubs for a while. Yeah. And they tried to bring in the ECA to try and involve more clubs rather than just the big ones, I think. 
G14, that was it. I do... Um, I have a question, and it's just something that occurred to me during this conversation. But, you know, a lot of the Ferrari is about the... Great word. Um, lack of competition. Mm. Yes. Think back a year ago, two years ago, before the, the Test Championship League was a, was a thing. Yeah. Test cricket has no... It has a number one team. You don't get relegated. Yeah. It doesn't make a difference if you lose or win the tournament. Mm. Yeah. People still like test cricket. Yeah. It, What's the difference? Yeah. And I think there so when I, the other thing I'd add is that as well is, is exactly the same with um, rugby. Yeah. Um, and like that's, I was talking with Sarah about it the other day and that's her thing. Was, isn't that just the Six Nations? Um, so, the, you know, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, Joe, go on. Well, I think the key difference is that there are hundreds of football clubs. There are not hundreds of t test cricketing nations. There are not hundreds of rugby playing nations. So I think that's that's the first point I'd say. And then my, the second point I'd say uh, is that we we have we're not creating in in those sports an an oligopoly where a very small number of people are lining their pockets with billions of pounds yeah. at the expense of those that are trying to play. Yeah, I there, think are lot, that, there, there are a lot of nations that would like to play Test cricket, but they're not accepted. Yeah, into, into the mm. what, thing. What, In England like to play India, South Africa, and Australia. Do you know why? Get most money for the playing. Yeah, game. yeah. What, what's the the difference? I think the thing that slightly undermines that point, Joe, in terms of the whole loads of club thing, is that the winners of the Champions League since sort of like mid 90s if you take out Bayern Munich which admittedly they've won it like three times the only club outside of this group that's won it was Porto once because Mourinho shithoused his way to the to the title um so that's where a lot of their argument will come into it we're like we're the people that everyone's tuning in to watch you know in that sense in terms of well are they why shouldn't we have our own thing is that the same thing is that is being interesting to watch the same as you're just the ones that win and make and qualify and fairly make their way to the top. Yeah, big names. We're the we're the big names. You're looking at us in the draw. We're the exciting ones that Sky has spent the last thirty years yeah. picking up big time. I'm all for that because it feels like the market has spoken. The thing with this is that over the last forty eight hours, the market very much is speaking against it. The fact that the players, the people that are going to be forced to be the product, are starting to come out against this. I think that is very much should be taken taken notice. The proletariat are revolting, aren't they? Well, I mean, without, without, I'm sure I'm sure someone somewhere will write their dissertation on this through that lens, yeah, but, um, and be you know, vilified for it, no doubt. But um, it will be very very interesting to see. I think, yeah, cricket and rugby are very different entities, anyway. Um, but sure, there is a comparison to be made. I just. Um, yeah, well, I have blindsided. You know, I, I only thought of it now, but I, in a test series against India, this just happened, I wanted England to win, but it doesn't have any wider context. Yes, there is the test championship. But I don't really particularly mind about mm -hmm. that. We might go up one place in the table. I very rarely look at that table. Mm -hmm. I'm just interested in that game between two of the big, you know, mm -hmm. the two biggest teams in that sport whereas 
I think I think there also might be something to it because it's they're more internationally dominant um, sports as well. Whereas with football, like when I so me as a team that as a follower of a team who's never been in the Champions League, I watch the Champions League and always think, wow, it would be brilliant if Villa were there and managed to somehow get. So like we have now, we have owners that have money, they've made the club debt free, willing to invest in the stadium. Um, they're willing to invest in the squad. It's no longer about how much we can pay players each week. It's actually about can we build a strategy to get a starting eleven that might allow us to work our way up the Premier League table to qualify for the Champions League, to allow us to be on those midweek fixtures, to allow us to compete against the biggest clubs. To deny that in the name of, oh, you know what, we, we haven't been doing very well over the last 10 years. I'd quite like to just guarantee it and feed off the name of the club that I happen to be the temporary custodian of, which is very much what I think is, is the majority of this. It just seems a little bit off. Um, yeah, and I mean, well, I guess, you know, quite a lot of the 12 clubs have been doing well. There's a handful that haven't. Arsenal, Spurs, the Milan clubs. Yeah. But the rest of them have been broadly successful across the, yeah. the last 10 years well they're either doing very well on the pitch and are and are very and but also doing very badly off the pitch or they're doing very badly in one but not the other or in both it's like Most they're not them. all very are any of the 12 very very healthy liverpool on and off the pitch liverpool aren't brilliantly healthy off the pitch um man city i would say man city oh joe i guess i'm asking you this because you're you know you're not a club that you support a club that's not currently in the Champions League but when you say that you were sort of you, as a young lad you dreamt of being in the Champions League playing in those midweek fixtures was it that you were dreaming of playing against the best teams from Spain whether that be Getafe or Celta Vigo or was it that you dreamt about playing Real Madrid Barcelona going to um, you know the San Siro and playing against Inter or AC Milan, or what, was it the the playing against those big clubs that was sort of the motivation? I think that's a really a really good question um, because if I say that I grew up wanting Villa to play the biggest clubs, then maybe Perez is right to feed off that. But of course, I'd. Of course, I I would just disagree with him because just because the club was big when I was dreaming as a young lad, it doesn't mean that he has the right to exploit that, the size of that club. Should it fail to meet those expectations competitively, fairly on the field of play over time, he doesn't have an eternal right. You know, once a big club, yeah. always a club. He doesn't have the eternal right to put a line in the sand and cement Real Madrid into eternal longevity and financial fortune to line him and future generations of the Perez family's pockets. Uh, mm. th that is abhorrent. That is against everything that uh, free sport comp competition goes against. Um, uh, and I would say as a Villa fan, I, I actually just wanted Villa to fairly compete to win that trophy and play in big stadiums Um whether that be Villa Park under the lights or whether it be Wembley, it doesn't doesn't really matter. You just wanted the fans to enjoy European success like you hear about. You know, Villa, I think that's when in 1982. It's like, well, 12 years before I was born. Mm. Um, those are the things that you want. I, as I said, I don't think Perez deserves to have an eternal monopoly because it once happened. Yeah. It's the sad, just pure kind of, 
commercialization you know has reached its horrific peak isn't it in the sense of you know we all sort of begrudgingly accept that flights cost more to new york than they cost to you know lee de la mer services because mm. everyone's going holiday there do you know what I mean so we'll pay more for it and everything and that's basically what they're saying here but they're just saying it about uh, something that is supposed to be based on merit and ability and competition and that's something that that's something that's really interesting to me is that it's, it's like provoke this incredibly like value-driven reaction from a lot of people mm. around like when i was seven years old you know i didn't i don't you know it's not fair it's this it's that and that's just been really interesting it's there's been a lot you know like gary neville just emotionally like you know run his run that went viral on sunday yeah um and i kind of you know it is like you know sky you can't look at me in the eye and tell me that sky is a benevolent you know company that has the interests of fans and the interests of football at heart you know what i mean and they've been shoving pundits down our throats for years that have no idea about football but they're big names and they think people <laughs> make them look good and give some big ego and you're gonna name you know, it <laughs> it's obvious isn't it but then you start, you know, <laughs> all this sort of stuff and then it's like oh we, we you know we've sort of always been a bit uncomfortable with the impact of you know corporations upon football but mm. our beloved club is still the spirit of shankley it's the name for liverpool supporters club and you know it's the busby babes as man united and it's you know it's all this sort of like history and local club you know like liverpool love this you know the chant for alexander arnold it's the scouser in our team mm. and that's meant that we've put up with the creeping spread of commercialism where we've got sponsors on our shirt sleeves our bums our you know our sports bras that we're under the games um and then now it's like oh crap we've just fallen off the cliff edge and we didn't we didn't think it was actually going to happen mm. i didn't think you were actually going to do this guys i thought you were just gonna mm. do that to fund this stuff yeah and I think that is the position you you end up having to hold. I can't remember if this is the right phrase, but it's like a cognitive dissonance between the actual reality of the organisation that you're paying money to and just the desire to watch your your team, your <laughs> players play a game of football. That is yeah. what I have to, I have to ignore the fact that we sacked Gunnosaurus that we laid off 55 yeah. people uh, unnecessarily because I want to watch you know my, my team whatever that means play it play a game of football you have to you end up having to ignore that which I mean I don't think is the right thing you know if we if we didn't do that we'd never watch our team <laughs> no no <laughs> I think maybe maybe that is the right thing to do is to step back. <laughs> My dad texted me and said he's going to give up elite football now and go and I don't know watch Colts United. Well, I guess we, other, you know is elite. Where does elite finish? Mm. I don't think the owner of Cole is particularly good. Is his, his statements are he's like, hilarious, dude. quite colourful. Um, <laughs> I don't think anybody is is pretending that. Um, like football fandom should be synonymous with moralism, right? I don't, there's no one, no one's pretending that. I just think people don't want the competition and fairness to be taken away by the few. And so I think that's, as you say, value dri driven, Adam. My question to you two as uh, supporters of clubs that are part of the 12, do you mind it being part of the fabric of the structure of football that on your way to the top, you have to, uh, habitually and periodically play Burnley, Brighton, Aston Villa, Newcastle. 
you're not always playing the best. Do, do you just agree and accept that it's part and parcel of it? Do you actually, or, or do you begrudge it? Do you resent that that, that is true? Do I begrudge having to play against the rest of, basically not the top six? Mm, yeah. Um, this season I do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. No. Um, it's so weird, isn't it? So I just think that's, it's so ingrained in my mind that part of being in the Premier League means that you have nasty away games at Bolton and Stoke. <laughs> and like that's part of the drama of it. Like for me, the Premier League, football, rugby, cricket, they're as much theatre and art and culture for me as they are a sport, which I know is a knobby thing to say, but it's the it is an emotional, passionate thing, isn't it? Like with yeah. football clubs and stuff. And um, so I don't I don't begrudge playing those teams. So I think it adds adds a bit of spice to it. Um, I think those teams are incentivised by playing the big teams. Mm-hmm. I think if you if if they did the Premier well the Premier League and the FA will. Well, FA has no power, but the Premier League will not kick out the top six. That won't that won't happen because, no, like, it would take ten years for the Premier League to recover in terms of people to care enough about Leicester. Do you know what I mean? Like, that would be the next biggest club at this point in time to the on-field performance. But they also don't want to leave the leagues. Do they? It's not about whether they want to. I think the discussion yeah. is whether. Um, so, so I learned today that each of the twenty teams in the Premier League. Um, you know, th- three of them to be replaced with three other ones, but they all get a five percent stake in, or say, five percent say is probably better. One vote each, and the fourteen not part of the big six met today to discuss essentially yes. what what was going to happen. Now, I was having a conversation with my boss about this today because we wanted to see. Uh, well, he wanted to know what I thought, and I came up with the arbitrary figure of a twenty point deduction. Um, because A, that puts Arsenal 18th, but within, uh, I think, a point behind Fulham, and it puts Tottenham only three points above relegation as well. Well, four, it would be four, it's three, three concurrent. Um, and uh, Manchester City would only be two points behind Leicester, so Man City would probably still win the league. But it would be really interesting to put the cat amongst the pigeons for the last six games and just see, right, where's, where's your loyalty to the structure? Yeah. Or do you just resign yourself to getting relegated, knowing that you're still getting this massive yeah. paycheck at the end? And I think that... Them? But I guess what I'm saying is they, their intention is not to leave the league. No, the league. Are, it, it might be out of their hands. They are replacing... So the, the, the punishment from the Premier League, they'd say, well, we, what we're doing is not is not meant to directly impact our involvement in this league to which the premier league will say you knew full well that it would you idiot presumably well i i heard and i don't know if this is true or not but you need three quarters of the teams to support a kicking them out and six you can't achieve that oh i thought it was two thirds so that's that's interesting it'll be but, uh, yeah, who I, knows? Don't, I don't know no, i don't know well there's a reason we're sat here and what's masters is it richard masters he's the yeah, well, there's a talk, isn't there, that one of the clubs has not lost, is like considering backing backing out from it. Mm. So, and if it was three quarters, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? But if yeah, they then went with that vote or something, but who's, um, that, who's that going to be? Liverpool is probably the most principles out of the six teams. I, I, I don't yeah, think. but li- it's yeah. Liverpool's idea, vice chair and on the board. It'll be eight, eight, Arsenal, I suppose. It won't be. It won't be Arsenal. 
We got we got to take that. So one you got to, you got to go on the board, didn't you? I yeah. personally think it's City. For one for one reason and one reason only, they they have money up to their ears. Doesn't they matter, don't need does it. it. They don't need it. This doesn't matter to them. They are financially sound. They they're not from old money. They're not from old success. They're not uh, from an old brand. They are as secure as they come when it comes to the the, the short term or medium term um, structure and solidity of their club. That they, they are fine. I think it. Whether they have the, the the morality to kick up the first, I agree with Dave. I think Liverpool probably, on principle, um, uh, but that, that again, that's different. That's Liverpool, the club, not exactly, Liverpool, yeah. the owner. Um, and of course, Man, Man, it's not Manu because it's um, Edward Wood, their vice chairman, um, used to work for J.P. Morgan, and that's it's the Glazers in it as well. The Glazers, yeah. That's, I mean, it's just... that's the statement Arsenal put out. Include a quote from the Glazers. No one. <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal. Yeah. Quote from Agnelli, Perez, and Joel Glazer. And, and that's the weird thing about it is because with the point deduction, mm. I'm like, oh, you're now punishing me, and you're punishing the players, and I'm like, oh, it suddenly it suddenly shifts, isn't it? In like a weird, like the, like you're exactly right, Joe. Like the sickening thing of it is the clubs will probably be like, yeah, fine. Well, you know, we're, I can't remember Joe. It might have been one of you two said that. It doesn't actually affect them that much. They do get a point deduction because. They're still doing this massive Super League thing, but yeah. Um, what would you like then, as a Liverpool fan, as an Arsenal fan? I say, what would you like? Because you have to expect some backlash from the the actions of their leadership. What What do you expect? There's no way a point deduction of twenty points for this, having let clubs use their financial power to exploit their competitive status in the league for the last twenty five years. Would would feel to point structure for this would just feel absurd. I don't think they'd have the balls to do that. No. Um, I think it's like a, you know, this is a whole weird domestic football governance is needs reviewing in this country as much as continental does. But I think that I think this is like a, you know, for want of a better language, you won't like this, Joe. But I'd say that I'd give them a really stern warning, but I'd also be like let's have an open dialogue about, okay, how do we improve this situation? What is it you actually want? Why are you doing this? Like from the Premier League perspective, the Premier League aren't in this conversation. They're, they're outside the room trying to get in, um, which is a weird thing. Is that not because the six closed the door, locked it, signed yeah. it? Yeah. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that as a right or wrong decision. I'm saying that's a, that is a fact of this. So if they're not willing to come round the table and discuss domestic reform because they're nailing their colours to the mast for this European Super League, then what? But why do they want... You have to remember, why do they want that? Because yeah. they want more control over the, their product. They feel inhibited by the league mm-hmm. and want more control over their finances, more money. Mm-hmm. Then maybe the Premier League turns around to them and says, we will provide time in the calendar for you to exploit your international market beyond the parameters of the Barclays Premier League, if that's what they want. Now... Then you just get this. I don't see how that any of I don't see how their current needs can be met, assuming that it is about uh, exploiting the the brand of their asset. Which is which it, would it be fair to say that that is what this is? Uh, if we had to put it into really simplistic terms, is it just about maximising their asset on the global stage? That's my interpretation okay. of it. I, I would ask them, how on earth do you foresee being able to do that without massively exploiting your squad? Forget the fans. 
how do you make that happen? How do you convince the fat players to play for you? Yeah. You double their wages overnight. Interesting to see what happens. Yeah, well, yeah, principles may or may not go out the window. Bubbles bubbles are going to burst, aren't they, if it happens, you know what I mean? So, Adam, you alluded to it earlier. Um, you wanted to mention Klopp and Hendo. I didn't want to end without you having the chance to praise them, as I think you might. Um, I don't know if I can praise. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. Respect, I think, maybe. Mm. So, Henderson's come out today. Well, he's come out today that Henderson apparently is trying to organise an emergency meeting for 20 Premier League captains. Um, and, you know... Obviously, Liverpool fan, like, if that's true, I'm like, you know, captain, my captain, because that's what he did with the NHS charities. And, yeah. you know, he seems like a pretty good egg. He's also, you know, it looks good that he's a working class lad from Sunderland who talks like this. Yeah, I can't do that accent, can I? But, um, <laughs> You're mating, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Klopp yesterday was like, well, Klopp just said he's like, I've always been opposed to this. But he basically was, I saw a lot of people slag him off saying he didn't go firm enough. But he was like, I can't do anything about this. Like, and, you know, I, I don't agree with this. I'm not okay with this. You know, which is what all the men just said. They can't fit anything about it, and that's the thing that's weird. Like, it, what will probably affect the clubs if, if their assets, if their players go on strike, that'd be really interesting to see. If they think, you know, what I'm so principled that I'm not willing to turn out for you this week in the Champions League or the Premier League in protest of this decision. Could I ever see anyone doing that? Do they just love to play football? Are they just little boys who want to kick a ball around yes. and forget the world? Probably. Um, I, I think so much of it of money. So I just still think it's it's like a power play versus UEFA in particular. That's why I think it's less about the Premier League. I think it's more about these clubs having an, an unhappy relationship with UEFA because they feel like they've, they will feel like UEFA is exploiting their sustained you know, impact upon Champions League and to a lesser extent Europa League. Um, and that's a relationship. This, this group of clubs mm. and UEFA is the one to me that feels like the needs the most sorting out. Um, the Premier League, like the Premier League just lives off letting Sky run every single other club in the Premier League when they're on TV, they even market it as, you know, like it's a local derby or can they upset the big six? You know, can they, even even, even when Arsenal Spurs still done badly, it's still framed as, oh, it will be a big scout to beat Arsenal. You know, even when Leicester beat, beat an Arsenal this season, that's still seen as a big deal, even though on the pitch, yeah. you'd kind of expect that because it is still that status and prestige that comes to it. And the Premier League will know that and will want to fix that quite quickly. Um, and you've just triggered something in me there. It's like, the, uh, no no disrespect to Arsenal, but they have been living beyond their station in terms of marketability. And uh, and when I say beyond their station, beyond their performances on the pitch, they're not commensurate to that label that they've received for maybe eight to ten years now. The, this is now just a step too far. This is just shameless arrogance. Um, mm. And and I, I don't just chuck Arsenal uh, in that camp. I think that... Spurs, We're still one of the most successful clubs over the last 10 years in England. We are in the top six successful clubs in England over the last yeah. 10 years. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't disagree with that. Wouldn't disagree with that. But it's still nowhere near to the, the level that this money would now generate and this fortune. Cronker has lost, taken leave of his senses. But, you know, he hasn't. He's been given an opportunity and he's taken it. He has, but uh, my worry, as, as Adam says, and I, I do hope that his optimistic stance is, is, is correct, but I think they've, they're have they now so far in the deep end, I don't think they can back out. They have to double, they either have to double down or resign. And they're not going to resign from the Premier League. No, no, no. Re resign from their current uh, board slash owners. 
Now, because honestly, like I have this theory that basically things that happen during the pandemic when there's little else to do get have got more attention than they would otherwise. So this whole thing with this being in the national news, international news, Exeter Senate is, is probably because there's not much going on to people abroad. If mm-hmm. if they back down in two years' time, we'll think, oh, the greedy bastards are still greedy. Never mind. Football's still amazing. And it's live. You know, like genuinely, I think... Got a game next week. Just, I'm really yeah, 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 yeah. Playing against Fulham. I think people are emotionally reactive in the moment, but I think they've been talking about doing this for 30 years. They've just actually done it or put it out on a paper, even on, even on a website, which, you know, is pathetic lack of information but mm-hmm. people will i don't think people will actually hold it the owners will go who who could force them to you know clubs fans aren't going to boycott yeah, them tv deals aren't, yeah. aren't going to be cancelled sponsors aren't going to be cancelled you they're too people. deep in too many things aren't they they're too clever you guys forced hicks out when he when they were acting yeah three, we were trying to get rid of him for four years and then he got kicked out three two on the board but no one's done anything like this. Like no, I, I've never witnessed, as we've said, anything like this. They've been trying to, haven't they? This is the thing that's weird. But in been terms trying of trying to do this, literally, I don't even, I can't think of anything in the world that has happened that has caused, yeah, such. Well, that's <laughs> like, what that's what that's I'm doing. We're talking like, yeah, you know, even. Even terrorist attacks don't get the coverage and condemnation that we've seen here. I hate to yeah. make a comparison. I don't think, you know, obviously not, they're, I don't think that's they're not apples and true. apples. But in terms of fallout and coverage and content and things being generated and just general, uh, the polarization between liking something and not liking something, this is very much a 99 to 1 sort of disagreement. Mm. What was off? What was the YouGov stat? Seventy-nine percent were opposed. Fans of the snap poll to it, but yeah, you, you're right. And like I said at the start, it's taking two, two, three days of coverage. But two years time, it, the money if they do back down from it, the they probably be the still, same people still there. I think they'll have lost fans in the UK. But as you've been talking about throughout, no one. They won't care about the legacy fans that much. If I decide, if, if I decide, I'm not going to support Liverpool. Yeah, it doesn't matter, does it? it? Doesn't matter to them. Like today, I didn't use my Arsenal mug. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think they care too much. It's so yeah. sad, and it's sad, and that's the whole thing I'm saying along. It's like it's basically like it's our worst dreams, worst nightmares come true. And I'd also say like that part of the thing that's so frustrating because the fact is it pissed off so many people that don't support a big six club is that is they like realize oh yeah okay that is who people want to see do you know what i mean like that is they are the big they are still a big deal yeah everyone's giving banter to arsenal and spurs but that is that realization oh these guys have the status they have they're exploiting it you know that's if you're a villa fan that's probably quite a frustrating part of it if you're an everton fan Leicester, West Ham, you know, where you think we're a big club, we've done a lot, but you're like, oh yeah, this actually is sad for me because I really, you know, even more so because like that isn't the status that we have, that isn't what we've done. Um, and it feels like it's now being taken away from you, like say, by these guys taking their ball and playing with yeah, it somewhere else. It's, um, yeah, it's status built on sand and somehow able to elevate to form a very tangible castle to extend the analogy. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, this has been a good conversation. It's if honestly, this has been one of the probably the most serious podcasts <laughs> that we've ever done. I think we've we've we we promised the fans a special back in December, and four months later we've emerged like it's like the sequel where they're just a bit more battle worn and a bit scarred. Yeah, you know, that's what we are. I've read two two days of coughing. It's just like this is genuinely the the it's the state of the world mixed with the state of sport. Yeah, and the predictability of it. It's just, yeah, big sigh. 13 months of lockdown have led us to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder what episode we released 12 months ago this week, because we'd have done one. It's just yeah. how, what, what on earth was going on back then? It might have been one of the specials, you know? That's a good point. There was, there was no football, was there? There was no football to uh, speak of. So, yeah. That's good. I, I think, I think we, should, we should come back again soon with something happy, I think. I think so. I'm a bit downcast now. If it don't cost. Well, should we should we end with a little game linked to this conversation? Yes, please. So the challenge I, w- I was set on Facebook by <laughs> my junior brother David today was what would an England squad for the Euros look like if you couldn't pick any of the players from the Super League <laughs> big, big Six? So full squad for the Euros. Well, it might be more this year because of COVID stuff. It's normally twenty three, but obviously eleven people start start the game. So we could we could pick an eleven. And then if we if we want to add a full squad, we can do. But okay. should we should we start with the keeper? This is a fairly easy one, I think. Nick Pope. Yeah, I think I'll go for Pope. I think honourable mentions. Uh <laughs> Pick Jordan Pickford, Everton, Axe McCarthy, Carl Darlow in Newcastle, he's a keeper, isn't he? He's a, he's a good player. But Jed just, uh, <laughs> yeah, Sam Johnson was in English club, isn't he? But <laughs> Right backs, um, Walker Peters. Yeah, what's that fella at um, Brighton who was injured but was good? Oh, Tarek Lamptey. Yeah, oh. yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, it's Max not... Ar- Max Aaron's at Norwich. I don't know the I'm not having any of the. I can't believe we're not naming Matty. And Cash. then Matt Cash, Matty Cash. Villa, it was funny today. Villa admin tweeted. Uh, our fixture v Man City 48 hours uh, 48 hours away this was last night tweet, and then it was just a picture of Matty Cash and top comment was admin you knew exactly what you were doing with this yeah. tweet <laughs> um, just to interrupt this squad apparently it's Chelsea that are pulling out of the Super League live content unbelievable there you go wow. breaking news wow what Abramovich has I, I would not. His mates at UEFA. Putin's turned off the oil, probably, and then he's. <laughs> oh yeah, you gas the whole oh, of Europe. Yeah. You're harming Gazprom, Roman. No, <laughs> no, thank you. I will pay for your second yacht. You don't need the ESL for that. Yeah. Uh, oh, but no, right back. Should we? I'll, I'll, I'll give you Matt Cash because I think otherwise your emotional state is more. Thank you. I just. Well, I don't. I, I can't think of. Is there another Premier League English one who has had a better season? I don't think so. It would have been Lamptey if he'd, if he'd stayed yeah. fit and stayed well. I agree. But yeah, uh, yeah I wouldn't, wouldn't disagree with that. Centre-backs, I think you've got quite a few options. <laughs> Michael Keane. Michael Keane. Yeah. Lewis Dunk. Connor Cody. Mings. Yeah. Tarkovsky. Ben Godfrey. Concert. Craig Dawson's had a great season. Concert. The scales. Is there any lead centre backs are English? Mm, no. Luke Ailing's a converted right back, but. Mm. 
There you go. Oh, oh yeah, there's a there's a selection there. Pick, yeah. pick, take your pick. Left yeah. back, left backs. Well, Matt, Matt Target Villa. <laughs> no. I'm having the Villa back four. No. <laughs> you got Ryan Bertrand. You got Aaron Cresswell. James Justin at Leicester. Yeah, he's injured though, isn't he now? He's injured, but give very, him a new ACL. Very good. Um, same old, uh, same old clubs coming to mind. It's like he's um, got <laughs> heart. Yeah, because mm. it's like you can discount Newcastle, Palace, Fulham. Um, <laughs> Chef you. It was you last year. You can't give him that much stick. <laughs> Why are we dismissing these? Maybe we should do the Super League. Yeah. We're dismissing any of their players from because they don't have any English players. Midfielders: uh, Declan Rice. Yeah. Calvin Phillips. Jesse Lingard. Mm. No, you can't. Oh, is he on loan? We're not having loan players. No. Fair no. enough. Fair enough. Bellingham, Tom Davis, the Everton guy. He's oh. all right. Yeah, he. He's yeah. not. He's not going in my team. <laughs> Are you not yeah. allowed Everton players? No, no, no. More just think he's not as good as Bellingham, Madison, oh, Ward Prowse. Oh yeah, Be- yeah. Bellingham, well, yeah, Sancho. Enough. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a lot of fun players like that guy at Bayern Munich who's just come through, Musiala. He's, jo- he's chosen to play for Germany. Oh, oh, that's that's nice. Well, there's two long staff brothers. I always think they're they're absolute banter footballers. They're just like those lads down at the park. They just like really, really want to play football and try really hard. But are they any good? <laughs> but apparently they are quite good. So there you go, long staff brothers. <laughs> they're playing something. They exist. Don't think about them much. But Wait, uh, does Jack Greedish get in? I'm not sure. Yeah, Who's yeah. that? Sorry. <laughs> Have we mentioned um oh, got out of my head the Leeds guy that plays centre mid for England? Phillips. Yeah, sounds yeah. He he's him. he's really impressed me. In fact, Dave has done a great job with me this year in convincing me that both Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips are good footballers. And at the start of this season I had quite dim uh, quite a dim view of both of them. But I've come I've Declan come Rice is very good. Yeah. Calvin Phillips is good at what he needs to do, but I mean Leeds look like they're gonna concede every time they <laughs> well, I was just saying every was... time they don't have the ball. Even when they do have the ball, I think mean, they're yeah. gonna concede, but they're just <laughs> mental. Um that's so true. We he got... was chasing after players left right centre in the first half yesterday. <laughs> shadows. But they did then get a do you mean they they get a goal? So Yeah, oh, I meant more like Calvin Phillips in particular looked particularly poor yesterday, but He's a good player. He's a good player. We need to wrap him in cotton wool though, because everyone else is injured for England in that position. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about um, swingers? We got quite. Yeah, Sancho, Barnes, obviously injured. Eze from Palace is quite fun. Yeah, um, Watkins kind of. Played I'd wing, put Watkins on the left. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Jared Bowen is he English? He's English. Yeah, he's a little player, isn't he? He's, he's good. Any um, are there any Wolves players? Uh, well, then Donker, can we put him in there? <laughs> well, Gibbs, Morgan Gibbs, White, Cody, probably the best English players. They're not. They've hopped in field for a bit this season, I think. Yeah. And then strikers, we got Paddy. Definitely. Got Paddy, Paddy Bamford. Yeah. Paddy DCL. Ings. Ashley Barnes, Route One option. Now Ashley Barnes is he, he Austrian? Austrian. Or is uh, he... he was ineligible in the end. Oh. Times. I had that same thought in my head, you know, and I googled it. <laughs> Danny Welbeck, bring him back. Oh, yeah, he's got tournament pedigree. 
Duck Guy Welbs. <laughs> nine years. Euro 2012. Theo Walcott. Yeah. Right, there's yeah. the nine years ago in Euro 2012 when both Walcott and Welbs scored Andy, against Sweden. Yeah, Andy Carroll as well. Get the whole gang Carroll. back together. <laughs> Jolie and Lescott scored for a scene against France in the opening game in that tournament as well. Um, Just like some names that genuinely <laughs> looking back it's a miracle that we made the quarters of that tournament. Ricky Lambert wasn't Ricky Lambert in that squad, just to make things worse. Wow, that was a particularly poor team. Yeah, it wasn't. Football was like dark for me in terms of elite football, in terms of because Liverpool were poor that season as well around that time. So that's not good. Else, you won the Champions League as well. So your your brother would have been happy. Oh, they won the Champions League with caretaker manager. Yeah, who then came to us not long after. <laughs> two weeks at Union 4. <laughs> Maybe this guy can't actually manage football. It's all right, we got Remy Gard short after. That was... <sighs> I was looking him up for no real reason. I think Dave might have asked me, where, where's Remy these days? And I was, I think he's in Canada. What he's a great like, time in Canada, why not? Yeah, earning earning a living. He, I mean, he, he, he spoke French, obviously. So, um, And I think we didn't say DCL, did we? So he's got to be in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not actually that bad, is it? It's quite a good team. You're obviously missing at the moment. You'd you'd think Kane should definitely get in that team. <laughs> but if I'm honest, on form, there aren't many other top six English players that get in. Vardy, can we bring him out of retirement? We can this? bring him out of retirement. Yeah, he's going to keep going until he dies, isn't he? Yeah, bless him. <laughs> Superb. Oh. We might have to do a Euros episode at some point. Yeah, once we get, you know, once we get a little bit closer. But it's good. To, it's been good to be back, isn't it? Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> it's been um, it's definitely long, bit... longer than we expected, but we've covered a lot of. Well, I say we've covered a lot of ground. We've covered one topic <laughs> from many different directions. Probably just started where we, yeah, ended where we began. This is not a podcast that my mum will be listening to. Mm. No, it's going to be a tough sell. I think. Yeah, yeah. But maybe the five people that uh, were harassing you for it to pod to return, maybe this will be just that, you know, this will scratch that itch that has plagued them for the last five months. Mm, certainly true. hope so. Well, I think um, from my perspective, I've had, I've ingested a lot of content on this issue over the last 48 hours and it's been good to process it with people that, well, A, a wider audience, but B, the people that I know, know and trust. You feel you feel this is a safe space for you. To... Yeah, I feel it's been healthy. It's been it's been a healthy healthy conversation. Yeah, I've been able to rant and get out my. Yeah, I think yeah. the phrase I'm taking it taking from it, Adam, that is the one that you used about it's yeah, a value driven response. I think that yeah. is that's what people have done. There we go. Well, should we all give a big breathe, sigh of relief, big breathe out, just let our stress and our tension go. <laughs> You're going to lead us in a mindfulness session. Now. I'm going to lead us in a mindfulness session, everyone. <laughs> so everyone listening, if you're still with us now, just breathe in with me for seven. Let's go. And then we go out for 11. There we go. Isn't that nice, everyone? That is lovely. Thank there you. There we go. Happy days. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And I hope to see you all soon via the audio medium of this podcast. But I don't want to make any promises after the last five months of absence. But we should be back soon, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should do. We'll. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even make it sound sincere. Oh.
Well, stay safe. That's what we said last year, wasn't it? Tell Continue people. to. Yeah. Continue to stay safe. There you go. There we go. Lost out to Young. The chance here for Sidwell already. And what a start. Just over 30 seconds gone. And the quickest goal in the Premier League this season for Steve Sidwell. Sidwell FC Podcast.